Hello and welcome to this latest ISIS podcast. My name is Miriam Sears. I am the news editor uh, at our European energy team here in London. Uh, and I'm here with Ben Samuel, who is uh, our Gas Reports deputy editor. Um, and he's been busy putting together uh, with our gas team here in London um, our annual uh, report on the state of uh, Europe's hubs uh over the past year and, and looking at uh, potential opportunities for growth within these hubs going forward. Um, so what we've sort of seen uh, within these hubs after analysing them uh, individually is that liquidity in the gas markets is on the rise. Ben, do you want to talk us through uh, through this trend and what we've been seeing there? Yeah, thanks, Miriam. Um, so we have uh, seen liquidity rising uh, more or less across the board in Europe in the gas year um, ending uh, at the end of last month. Um, there was quite a lot of volatility um, in gas pricing, which uh, often attracts a bit more speculative trade. And uh, also there are a couple of major events which um, basically caused some of the traders to sort of readjust the, uh, their positions there. And, um, you know, that also led to, led to this volatility. Um, the, the first one is, is the outage at Ruff, which is Britain's largest gas storage site. Um, you know, this will come as no surprise to anyone who's been uh, following the energy market. Um, you know, Ruff accounts for about 70% of gas storage capacity in Britain. Um, the MBP, okay, is not the largest traded hub anymore, but it's still very important. Um, so basically, initially, there was an announcement um, saying that, uh, you know, Ruff would be restricted uh, for a period about a month, I think it was. Um, um, and then um, it, it was sort of revealed that um, basically there would be no injections in rough over the summer. Um, and the original expectation was that there would actually be no withdrawals taking place over the winter. Um, that's now changed and there might be some gas uh, will be able to taken out. Um, from rough this winter, but anyway, the, these couple of announcements sh- um, sent some shockwaves through the market. Uh, it sparked volatility and it led traders to uh, readjust their positions, and, and that pushed up liquidity. Um, you know, a lot of traders in Britain or, or shippers were looking to move gas to Europe to store it there. That caused a shift in flow profiles, um, and so all of this led to, to a bit of higher liquidity. Um, the other sort of major announcement was um, a kind of further restriction on the on the Groningen field in the Netherlands. Now, this one was slightly uh, kind of less unexpected. There's been um, problems associated with extraction there um, for a number of years, really, and so the Dutch government has, has sort of altered um, you know the kind of profile that the field operator can do uh, to, to take gas out of that field. Now, um, you know, as, as I said, you know, this was sort of slightly uh, more expected by the market. But either way, the news did again cause um, a shift in flow profiles, particularly uh, between the Netherlands and Germany. So, you know, these two things have, have led to a bit of a shift in the flow profile, and, and they drove up uh, drove up liquidity across Europe, really. Okay. But in terms of, I guess, uh, growth in these hubs and development of these hubs, these events sound like they were sort of one-off trends that have sparked liquidity. Going going forward from from here, can we expect this liquidity to continue or have there been other developments in in Europe to, to speak about this? 
Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, these two news events did drive up um, liquidity, but, uh, you know, these are not structural events. These are, as you say, you know, one-off things going on. Um, but but kind of looking forward, there, you know, there are some signs that um, we, we could see some shifts in uh, the trading landscape across Europe. Mm-hmm. Um the, the big one at, at the moment is in Spain. Um, they, they've recently changed their model um, or for, for the start of a gas year this year, the start of October. Um, they've changed their model to a virtual balancing um, model. Um, so basically what, what they're trying to do there is, is move more in line with, uh, with European norms. Um, you know, at the moment, obviously, uh, uh, liquidity will, will, will probably be quite sparse as, as traders get used to the new system. Mm. Um, but, but in time, you know, you know, that could lead to a, a sort of major stru- structural shift in that area, um, particularly if we see a bit of infrastructure improvement between Spain and, and uh, France. Um, the, the other interesting area is, is Southeast Europe. Um, Bulgaria has recently been making noises about um, uh, about moving towards a liberalised market. Now, now, obviously, Bulgaria is quite a small country with a relatively limited end-user market, but it, it is important uh, in, in the sort of wider context of the region. Um, you've got places like Greece and Romania looking to liberalise as well. Um, you've had a recently um, a, a large pipe line which connects all three of those countries known as the western line um, that's been recently opened up to third party access after a uh, a long term gazprom contract insp- expired um you know again as with uh, with, with spain it's you know it's going to be baby steps and it's going to be a while before we see you know a seismic shift but um you know talking to to uh, a lot of um companies you know you know in, in western europe they they're very interested in these areas keen to get a foothold in and so you know we 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 could see a bit of a shift there i think and I guess also Eastern European uh, markets are seeing uh, growth as well from Ukrainian demand for, for gas as well. And even more recently than when we published these reports, there was news that Gazprom has been granted increased access to use the Opal pipeline, which may also have uh, uh, ramifications for these Eastern European hubs in terms of liquidity. Yeah, I think that's right. That's uh, something that perhaps I should have mentioned before. Um, but the sort of Central European markets have seen um, uh, quite a bit of liquidity. Well, Central and Eastern European markets have seen higher liquidity in the gas year just gone because of, as you mentioned, that Ukrainian demand. Mm. Um, that is expected to continue and, and, and potentially even rise um, when we see, you know, as you say, perhaps more Russian gas coming through the Opal string. Um, so what does this mean in kind of simple terms? Well, traditionally, um, you know, the direction of flow via Ukraine was was from east to west, coming through Russia with Ukraine as a major transit market. Um, but now we're, we're probably going to see countries, um, or, or well, we already have seen to an extent, uh, but places like Germany, um, Austria becoming important transit routes. And this has a knock-on effect in smaller countries, uh, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, they've seen liquidity increase. And you're seeing more of an interest for companies, um, you know, to get in there um, and to shift volumes towards Ukraine. Um, you know, again, as you say, with, with the Opal string opening up, uh, potentially Nord Stream 2 being built, uh, whether or not this actually takes place or not. But, um, you know, you know, either way, this could lead to a, a shift in the way that gas is moved around Europe. And, and you know, it should be a, a boon to liquidity in those central and eastern European markets. 
Great. Well, we'd better wrap up there. Thanks, Ben, for chatting about the Hub Reports. And if you want any more information on where to find these reports or on any of our other reports here at ISIS, uh, you can go to www.isis.com energy. Thanks. 